Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. What up, Knicks fans? It is a hard Knicks life. The pain, the passion, the podcast. My name is Craig. Some people call me Axe. And on the other mic, everyone's favorite. Stop with that act. Come on. <laughs> Barry. It's not a fucking act. It is. It is. We don't. We did don't you know see? Did I'm... you did you see the tweet that I sent this week about Richard Jefferson and all this bullshit, which we will get to? Yeah. You saw the tweet I sent. I can't recollect what it was at this point in time. I'm sure I saw it. I tweeted out after this Richard Jefferson mess. Who else forgot Richard Jefferson even existed until he started talking shit about the Knicks? Right. I wasn't going to bring this up because it was very hurtful to me. And I, I was going to send it to you, but then I was like, I, I just want to pretend this tweet didn't even happen. It was a public tweet? Somebody retweeted that tweet. Yeah. With the, you know, you can retweet with a comment. Yeah, yeah, sure. You didn't see this? No. Because I figured you saw this and you were loving every second of it. But you no. didn't want to bring it up to me because you knew I'd be sad. No, I don't. Look, I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy your misery. Listen, guys, first of all, as Knicks fans, and Barry knows this, I am on the brink of fucking losing it. He's in a bad place, everybody. <laughs> and I think we all are. There's no reason to to, to insult me like this. What Especially if you're a fan of the show. It's probably not even that bad, but I'm just in a bad, bad place because of our team and the joke we have become and the joke we are every fucking day. Uh, this is like the biggest... How long is this intro? Too long. <laughs> Too long. Well, I wrote, who else forgot Richard Jefferson even existed until he started talking shit about the Knicks? And one of our fans wrote, who else read this in Barry's voice? <laughs> what? Can you see how that might upset me? I guess. I mean, I don't even get it. Who else forgot Richard Jefferson even existed? And then they wrote, who else read this in Barry's voice? As if you don't exist? Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, guys. This is a podcast, and we're going to be really honest in this show about the season, about our team, about everyone on our team. And I don't care who gets upset. I don't care what agents we piss off, what coaches we piss off, what podcasts, beat writers we piss off. Barry and I are going to lay it on the line. And at the end of this, I hope Barry's nobody's favorite, and I'm nobody's favorite. I really hope that Barry's nobody's favorite. <laughs> This is season three, episode 15. This is Randy from North Bergen. I'm Mark. I've been a Knicks fan for 24 years. Hey, Craig and Barry. This is Rock from City Australia. I'm from D.C. Hey, guys. Steve this here. Manny from Stanford. Calling all the way from Palm Springs, California. It is a hard. It's a hard. It is a hard. Knicks. Knicks life. Knicks life. It's a hard Knicks life. What is up, Barry motherfucking D? What's up, Axe? 17 games into the season. Right. 4 and 13. Right. And, you know, I think it was last week we were saying, hey, you know, we may be one of the worst teams, but there's like eight other teams that are right there with us. No, it didn't take long. <laughs> didn't take long. There's really only one team that's worth worse than us, which is Golden State, which is going to end up in their favor in the long run, which we know. But uh, but yeah, it's like us and the Hawks are four and thirteen. 
and everybody else is now kind of, you know, slowly drifting away. Especially when you look at the the schedule we got coming up, which is like looking down the barrel of a gun. It's only going to get worse from here. It's like we got a freaking cement block tied to our ankle, pulling us down deeper and deeper into the abyss. But other than that, I'm great. <laughs> Where you're, you're just getting right into it. I don't even know how I'm laughing, how sh- bad shit has gone lately. Do you know where we were at 17 games into last year's season? Uh, remind me. Uh, we were 4-13. Ooh. Well, that's not... <laughs> that is not a good thing to hear because we all know how last season ended, record-wise. Yeah, and do you know what I have a problem with? I really... It's really starting to bug me. What? Because as Knicks fans, we have been patient for a long time. I'll be honest, I'm starting to lose my patience. I've noticed on Twitter and in general when when we start losing our patience and we start talking about our disappointment with this season and Randall and the job of Fisdale or Perry or Mills, there are a lot of Knicks fans who start saying, you know, how you're too impatient. This is the beginning of the rebuild. You have to let this play out. You have to build through the draft. I have never had a problem with rebuilding. Okay? I don't have a problem with being patient. I don't even have a problem with tanking year after year. But Barry, correct me if I'm wrong. Before this season and after last season, our front office's goal was not to have another year of tanking. Was it? Another no. year of just going for a top draft pick. What was our goal before this season? Our goal before this season was to put a plan of action into place that was going to start this team on the right track, continuing to develop our players, but instill a sense of culture, a sense of winning. And we were going. they wanted to start showing that we had a product, a good product on the basketball court like Brooklyn was able to show last season, right? That's right. That's right. right. They, show... they, br- they brought in these guys like Randall, you know, Morris, Portis, Gibson, to incorporate with our young players. And we were no longer just going to play the young players as many minutes as possible and get as high of a draft pick as possible. Scott Perry and Steve Mills wanted to start winning games or at least showing that we were not a joke out there. That's right. He brought in, you know, high pedigree players, not superstars, not even, you know, max free agents because, you know, look, they had to come up with a plan B, but a, a product on the court that was going to be competitive. Right. Show that we're a franchise on the rise, right? That's right. And now, 17 games in, we are exactly where we were record-wise last year at this point or through 17 games and i have lost i am losing my patience okay because i am not seeing what they told us their goal was for us and the rest of the nba to see i have not seen that yet we're only 17 games in but we're starting to hear the same excuses we hear year after year you know mitchell robinson today and i love mitchell i saw a quote from mitchell about you know, it's 10 new players. We're still getting used to each other. We're going to hear that fucking excuse year after year with this team. And fans are saying 
that those of us who are getting impatient are being too impatient, that this is the rebuild. And, you know, we should want to get a high draft pick in this year's draft. That's fine. I'll take Cole Anthony, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Justin Wiseman, whoever we end up with. That would be a pleasant surprise of us sucking again. But if Scott Perry and Steve Mills start pretending like this was all part of the fucking plan, okay, I'm going to be pissed off. And why would you be satisfied with the job that Perry and Mills are doing if if they went into this season thinking that they were going to put a better product on the floor and we were going to start winning games and at least get close to sniffing the fucking playoffs? If we end up with the same or or worse of a record this year than last year. That's going to be hard to swallow. Look, nobody's satisfied right now. You know, we know that. I mean, Mills and Perry are not satisfied. They, they were so unsatisfied, they had to come out and tell us they were unsatisfied. Right? Um, And yeah, if we end up with the same record as last year, it's like, all right, everybody's got to go. Nobody can stay. Dolan's got to pull the rug out from Mills, Perry, Fisdale, because if you can't come up with a better team than 17 and 65 when you have all the cap space in the world and a number three lottery pick in your possession, what the hell are you doing? You're in the wrong business. That should be the easiest thing to do is come up from 17 and 65. No excuses. Again, all the Dolan haters are going to say, well, what about Dolan? If Mills, Perry, uh, Fisdale should all be gone, but so should Dolan. But, well, listen, grow the fuck up. I'm sorry. This has nothing to do with Dolan. Stop looking for the easy excuse and the easy answer. This is not on Dolan this season. But in their defense, they will say that Dolan has created a culture that no star players want to come here. Fine. You know what? Dolan, if Dolan left after this year, do you think star players should come come running over to us? No. You got 15 guys on your bench. You've got a head coach. You have all these people employed, okay? You think because Dolan's their owner, they're not trying to do their job? Or do you think they're incompetent? Because it's getting to the point where incompetency might be the answer. Might be. We are a joke. And now we have this Richard Jefferson bullshit going on. All right. And this is like, this is the biggest story in the fucking NBA, which is unbelievable. So you all know the story. We're playing the Nets and on fucking Yes Network, Richard Jefferson mentions that he, I guess it was towards the end of his career (laughs) and, you know, the Knicks were the only team that were offering him a contract. And he was like, well, you know what? That was when I knew it was my time. When the Knicks started calling me and there was no way he was going to the play for the lowly Knicks. He knew it was time to retire. And then what happens, Barry? Nick's PR releases this fucking tweet. Their statement, for clarification purposes, it is not true that the New York Knicks offered Richard Richard Jefferson a contract in either the summer of 2018 or 2019. Well, Craig, it sounds like you and I are going to differ on on the opinion on this tweet from Nick's PR because I do not have a problem with their. Tweet. Why do you think I have a problem? I don't have a fucking problem. Oh, well, you were setting it up like you were like, like this fucking tweet. Like, how can they do that? No, but that is, everyone has taken that stance. Right. And then everybody's reacting to it. The right. Cleveland Cavaliers, did you see their response to this tweet? Yeah, for, they, they started off the same word right. for word. For, for, for clarification, clarification purposes, purposes, it is true that Richard Jefferson became a champion of Cleveland in the summer of 2016. Right. Great. Yeah. 
Wonderful. Right. Everyone's laughing their fucking asses off about yeah. this. Tommy Beer. Tommy Beer, by the way, a fucking Knicks beat writer, retweets the Knicks tweet with, did you see what he wrote? I'm sure I did, but I, I can't. Four and home. 14, as in their records, four and 13, and that tweet was a loss, and now they're four and 14. Oh, uh, okay. Funny. A fucking Knicks beat writer. Why does everything that's tweeted or everything that's written or everything that's said has to be like this great thing or this horrible thing. Why can't it why can't it just be? You know, it's like everybody's judging like that. Oh, was this a good move? Was this a bad move? It just is what it is. They can't stick they they can't just put that out there. It's on Twitter. It's not like they held a press conference and came out to report that, you know, that Richard Jefferson was never offered a contract. It was on fucking Twitter, okay? You have this account there. These guys, you know, put out like one tweet a day. Other than that, they're just sitting around doing nothing. They can't fucking defend themselves and say, look, we didn't even order this guy a contract. This guy's a liar. Yeah, call him out on that fucking bullshit. He should be called out. It didn't come across like it was a joke. I know he was laughing about it, but it was at the Knicks' expense. And it seemed, the way he told it, that it was factual. So make him backtrack now. Put him in that corner. I do not have a problem with the Twitter account tweeting that. Come on, this isn't the Wall Street Journal here that they're putting out a freaking AP report on. Yeah, why Why does Richard Jefferson making up some bullshit like that for attention? Why? How is he the fucking good guy in all of this? It, yeah, it is maybe ridiculous. It's, maybe it's you didn't want to go down to history signing with your ninth team in the NBA. Maybe that's why you decided to retire. Or maybe it's that you average fucking one and a half points in your final season. One and a half points in your final fucking season. That's why you fucking retired. And then people, right after he said that on Yes Network, people are tweeting out articles from like, I don't even remember, 2010 that Richard Jefferson was interested in signing with the Knicks. Richard Jefferson spent nine of his 16 seasons I'll tell playing, you, when, for either, look, playing in either New Jersey or fucking Cleveland. And you're going to sit here and tell me that he was so disgusted by playing in fucking New York City? This is what happens when the Knicks are a bad team, the Brooklyn Nets are a mediocre team, any possible story you could cling to and you can run with, this is what happens. We get stuck with this, with this nonsense that we have to deal with, that we have to spend time talking about. And it has taken over the fucking all of the NBA. And even though, Barry, I, I am totally fine with the Knicks making that statement. I don't care like you. I don't think it's a big deal. They just made a factual statement. Exactly. Exactly. And and because the Knicks stooped to his level, or I don't even think that was the argument, but because the Knicks addressed it, or that they even acknowledged it, that puts them in a bad light? Come on. It, it's nothing. And, and it doesn't have to be a win or a loss. It's just a tweet. And they're not going to get stepped on all the time. At least not when it's a fake lie from a guy who has, you know... Um, not millions, because there weren't millions of people tuned into that particular broadcast. Although, I'm sure it got to the millions by the time it made its social media. Oh, it got but there. When he, when he, when he said did. that Bleacher it, Report, ESPN, everybody is posting But that. still, on a live broadcast of a basketball game, when you have a big audience, and you're going you're gonna to just say a blatant lie out that, the Knicks don't have a right to defend themselves. No, fuck that. I mean, Good the problem is, is that we, we were a joke. And because we, after we tweeted that, we became more of a yeah, joke. Yeah, exactly. It's like whatever they do, they're a joke. It's very hard being a Knicks fan right now. It is. 
And I think that's why the rest of this show, we're going to talk about everything going on with the team right now. We're going to talk about the roster, the players, the coaches. We're going to give our honest opinions. I feel like we've always given our honest opinions, but we also usually give the benefit of the doubt to everyone on the team. All right. We always want to see them for the best player they can be. I'm going to try not to do that tonight. And Barry, you're going to do the same. You hear me? I hear you. Barry got some spoken word together because Micaiah inspired him so much in the last show. Yeah, Micaiah from Palm Springs, California, last week, his voicemail, like, I was like, I was touched by it. It sounded like poetry to me, his voicemail. Right, and Barry, you texted me tonight saying, you, you have your spoken word, and it is capital G-O-O-D. All right, so I'm going to be honest with you if it's good or not good. You be the judge, man. And I want to hear it. I know that if I say it's not good, everyone's going to just gang up on me because everyone fucking loves you. But you can do no wrong. You're like Richard Jefferson. You, know? <laughs> you can Look, man, do I, no wrong. I put pen to paper and it just flowed out of me moments ago. All right. Well, let's hear what you got. I'm ready. How do we do this? How do we get it started? Do you need anything? I don't think I need anything. I thought about do I want like a bass line in the background, like a like a you know a bass like, like. But I don't think I need anything. Just uh, you know, silence is fine. Oh wait, I, think I know it's what more we powerful. Can do. I, I don't need anything, do. dude. Hold on. No, I definitely, no? I definitely don't need okay. that. Put I it down. I just have this sitting right here. So. Step away from the <laughs> harmonica. Okay. All right. Another season in our midst, and we continue to get dissed. Now well, hold media. on. Is this is this um. Are you trying to sound like Micaiah or no? Not sounds like, like you're Micaiah. sounds like you're putting on some sort of voice though. This is a this is a presentation. All right, just take it for what it is. All right, this is a presentation. Right. This is spoken word, Barry. Another season in our midst, and we continue to get dissed. Media poking fun at last summer like we blew it, taking shots to the dome. No more pointing threes to it. Week after week, watching L's pile up. Opposing teams run schemes like Wi-Fi while Fizdale's running dial-up. It's really gotten to the point. I don't know how much more I can handle. The lack of D against the three. Isolation, hesitation, and don't get me started on Randall. On a team of so-called dogs, this one's got fleas. He turns it over like pancakes, losing balls like car keys. Come on, Julius. He's a fool. He just runs into double teams, closes his eyes, it seems. And just because Dolan wrote out the biggest check to you, it doesn't mean the ball needs to run through you. Ooh. Meanwhile, the kids are getting their run. Knox, Frank, Dot, and Big Meech. And probably for the best, Isozo's getting played off like a long Oscar speech. What? We're the best <laughs> fans in the world. And we live and die in the orange and blue still. If we end up in the lottery, we'll keep on being patient and finish the rebuild. Continue rolling the dice. Spinning the wheel, pulling the lever, New York forever. <laughs> oh, man. What happened with the Alonzo Trier? You think that's for the best? You were fucking I, for, like for, the biggest fan in the world two weeks ago. Yeah, I was the biggest fan in the world of Alonzo Trier. But I also have eyes and I see what he's been doing to this team when he's on the court. Good. All Just right. because I think he has talent and I think he's a good player, he does not help this team. I've seen that enough this season when he's been in there, and I've seen what the team can look like when a guy like Dotson is in there for them. So, yeah. 
I meant and what Julius Randle. I'll admit, since we're both admitting our mistakes right now, I think it was just a few weeks ago where I spoke about how much I, I appreciated Julius Randle, at least his fucking effort and his desire. His effort? Wait, wait, wait. On which end of the court? His effort in trying to get to the rim. That's it. My standards are so fucking low from this team and our struggles that I ju- I'm just happy when I see someone who looks like they give a shit out there, even if it's on one end of the floor. Thought he was, you know, the excuse for him driving the lane while he's double teamed, triple teamed, running into the defenders, running over the defenders, losing the ball off his knee or his leg, you know, was just him over trying. But now I realize what's going on. What is that? He's a fucking idiot. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) He is doing too much, obviously. Way too much, yeah. And maybe it's just his basketball IQ out there. Does he not see his open teammates? He had that one game where he really broke out against Chicago, right? And he was finding Portis and all of his teammates. But that was it. It's because he signed that big contract. He came over to the Knicks. The Knicks told him, they said, Julius, you are our guy. You are the leader of this team. And it wasn't just the Knicks that told him this. There were Knicks fans. There were Knicks content creators that said, Julius Randle, he's trending up. He's going to have a good chance to be an all-star this year. And that gets in Julius's head. He starts off the season saying, I'm going to make the all-star team this year. And how am I going to do it? Because I'm going to be a high-usage player. I'm going to be the one that's the face of this team. It's going to be me. I'm going to dominate inside the paint. I'm going to bring the ball out from three. I'm going to do it all by myself because it's me on this team. This team has no other big names. This team has no other all-star potential players. And that's, and that's, that's how we started the season. That's his mindset. And unfortunately... This team is not going to get any extra wins when you're playing like that. The only chance it has at being a competitive team and not going down the drain, down the toilet, is if he plays team ball, he tries, he moves off ball, he works with guys, he'll get his shots, but they've got to come to him. And he's got to work for them. And by work for them, I don't mean pounding the ball down inside when you've got two guys on your back. But here's the thing with Fizdale. He's treating Randall... Like he's treated players in the past, you know, where he's holding some players accountable. Yes. Right. Yep. Last year, this year. But other players, he's not. And Randall's one of those That's right. Because I'm telling you, him along with Perry and Mills promised Randall's the keys to this car. Yeah. And that's obvious. It's, it's, it's It's even obvious in where he gets. I think we've spoken about this. He's the last man called in that starting lineup at home. You know and how this is going to turn out, Craig? Mark my words. Before the end of the season, Randall, Julius Randall, is going to demand a trade from the Knicks. Not the other way around. Because eventually it's going to come to a head. Because, you know, any smart coach is going to see that, that the offense can't run this way. And eventually it's going to be told to Randall in one way or another. Or it's going to be shown to him in one way or another. And he say, this is not what I signed up for. This is not how I saw my way of fitting in New York. I want out. I don't want to be a part of this team. That's what's going to happen. Well, I hope it does not come to that. I don't mind if Randall gets traded. But if we have another fucking player, the league will laugh at us once again. 
It will. And everyone who's laughing at Randall now saying he's not that good, or even when we signed him, wondering how the Knicks could sign someone like that to whatever money they signed him to, it'll all of a sudden turn to the Knicks can't keep any players happy. And you spoke about his stats heading into this season. Yeah. How we were all believing they were on the upswing because every year they just got better and better. You know, he went from 11 points a game to 13 to 16 last year to 21 plus points a game. And everyone was like, well, he's going to average 23, 24, 25 this year. You know, another eight, nine rebounds a game. That, that last year, last year, stats last year's are... three-point percentage was up. So everyone was like, oh, his three-point shooting is better. Guess what? Last year might have just been one single breakout year of his career. Exactly. He might be no better than he was two years ago, which is basically his, are his numbers now. 16 points, decent amount of turnovers a game, three-plus turnovers a game, a three-point shot that is not what we thought it would be. Barrett, his, his three-point percentage is 26% on the season. Right. And He's coming averaging, in, what, like four or five a game? Yeah, three to four a game. Three and a half three-point shots a game. Yeah. And that, that, that 26% is consistent with all of the, his years in this league, except last year. Right? But we were all, we're, all op, we're optimistic. We signed Julius Randle, and we want to believe in him because he's essentially the best free agent we could sign. And right now... Nine out of ten Knicks fans wishes he never came. Isn't that unbelievable? Yep. When I would say most Knicks fans were excited when he came and looking at the positives. Yep. And now we don't want him anywhere near the ball. And he is our starting power forward that the offense is fucking running through. And Fizdale doesn't see it. Perry and Mills, do they see that? They're putting the team on notice? Fizdale on notice? How about Kevin Knox? How's Kevin Knox doing this year? Are you a fan of Kevin Knox, Barry? Let's be we're gonna be real here, all right? Kevin Knox has not taken one tiny step forward on defense. I do like his shot. I still feel like the kids got potential. Look, Craig, you you were talking to me a little bit about, you know, before we came on the air, like you were ripping in to everybody. I even said we should be recording right now because you're fucking getting all fucking heated up. But I still think it's early. Kevin Knox, he just came off of his rookie year, dude. It's Relax early. A little and we bit. have to be patient. What is he? 20? What is he? Is he 20 now? Yeah, he's 20. You you think that the potential is still not there? I feel I'm more, I see more potential in Knox now than I did the middle of last season. Because I see his shot can fall. I see he's getting smarter. I see he's opening up his eyes more to to see other people on the court. He's had some nice dimes. This is what it's fucking come to, Barry. I feel like we uh, tell are... me, am I being too optimistic? Is is is, is am I in the wrong here? Am no, I not may, being no. honest? I mean, what, you know what he's showing me that maybe one day he's going to have a decent shot. All right. No, That's I think like he has it. a good shot now, Craig. I know he had he's had a he had a cold week or week and a half. Where is the fucking fire and hunger in that player? Well, that I want to see. You cannot learn that. All right. R.J. Barrett's 19. He came into this league with the Knicks, and he has had his ups and his downs this season. R.J. is a different player. You know that. He's a more well-rounded player in every facet. Yes. Absolutely. That's what I'm fucking saying. Kevin Knox, one of Kevin Knox's biggest issues is he's a little too cerebral. 
All right. He's he's thinking too much. And you can see it because instead of hustling, it's like he's thinking about what he did wrong or what he's doing wrong. And I mean, he's got quickness. He's got speed. He's got power. He needs to be able to utilize that on the defensive end. Skills that help you on the offensive end are the same attributes that can help you as a defensive player. What is Kevin Knox's ceiling, Barry? What's his ceiling? Is he ever going to be a great player in this league? Now, I'm not saying that he's going he's gonna to be out of the league. I'm just saying that we keep putting all our money on some of these players becoming second stars, third stars, fourth stars. I, I, I don't even I don't think Knox is ever going to even start. I don't see it in him. I feel like even though he's only 20, you would have seen something by now. You have to see. I, I do. You, you to, think you think that Knox's ceiling ends at the bench? You don't think it could be in a starting five? I can't close the book I or, or, or finish the chapter on Knox and saying that that's where it is. I'm sorry. You got to give the kid a fucking couple of years in the league, please. The, the guy's played a year and 17 games, Craig. And you saw, look how he looked the first, the first seven games of the season. Come on. It's not over for him. Like you just said, he's 20 years old. It's not over, but he's not going to be a star. Fine. What you you want to have a, everybody that you draft is going to be a star? Well, well, that's great. Good for you, because then you're going to turn into a fucking dynasty. It's not how it works. I'm not looking for him to be a star. I'm looking for him to be a capable role player. That's it. It's all you need. No, it's not all we need. Well, we do need a lot more than that. But from him, that's all I need. I'm with you. But after three to four years of awful seasons and high draft picks. Look, we have not much to show for it. You got right? a bad taste in your mouth. I get it. I get We've it. We've got RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson who refuses to shoot. Mitchell Robinson and is starting to become a problem. This foul trouble is really getting to me. We're 17 games into this kid's second year. When we wanted him to take another leap, because we saw the leap he took out of after not playing basketball for a year, the things that he was doing on the court, he's averaging 18.8 minutes a game, Craig. How could Mitchell Robinson be averaging 18 minutes a game? And I, and I say to myself, well, it's because of foul trouble. He's averaging three and a half fouls per game. Last year, Carl Anthony Towns averaged 3.8 fouls per game. You know how many minutes he averaged? 33. There's a way that you can stay on the court with fouls, all right? And and it just, you know, and, and I know some of these fouls you do later in games when you know that you have them to spare. But he's got to get smarter one way or another. Yeah, well, he's not he's not playing smart. I don't know what that Carl Anthony Towns comparison has to do with anything. I'm just saying that I'm just saying that if if Robinson played 30 minutes a game, he'd have like 8 fouls. Yeah, exactly, but I'm just saying Carl Anthony Towns averaged more fouls per game than Mitchell Robinson did last year. And yet he played twice as much per game. I'm just trying to find why my star young player is sitting on the bench for the amount of time that he is and why he's only getting 18 minutes a game. We know it's fouls and it's early fouls. Well, it's got to stop. And then even when he's got three or four fouls on him, for some reason, he can't hold back. He's got to try and block everything that's out there. He's just got to hold back sometimes. He has to use his athletic ability to his advantage. He doesn't need to be on top of everybody all the time. He makes up ground so fast. He could lay off a little bit. I agree. 
And dude, I was saying the jump shot. Yeah. Like the other team leaves you wide open, not even wide from open, three, he, but just like around he, the free throw line or the oh or the top of the key. And you are wide open. There's not a player within 10 feet of you. Take, you don't even look in the direction of the basket. Take the fucking shot, Mitchell. At least threaten to take it. At least <laughs> once or twice a game, take the goddamn shot. I'm so tired of it. It's okay to miss a shot. Okay, you can you cannot let the D lay off you like that. It messes everything up. If I have to hear Mike Breen compliment how sweet your free throw looks, and yet you still don't take a shot from the same spot on the floor when you have the ball, like every possession over there, it's driving me crazy. I love you, Mitch. I know someone from your fucking team is listening to this. <clears throat> Thank you for the harmonicas, by the way. <laughs> take the shot. I've seen you do it in the fucking videos. We saw the half-court shot that you or the Knicks Instagrammed out this past week. We're talking about, what, what are these shots? 13, 14 feet away from the basket? He never squares up. If Dennis Smith Jr. can take a jump shot, you can take a jump shot. You can't look to pass that ball away fast enough, to hand it off fast enough as soon as you get it up there. And sometimes you're so fast to hand it off that it comes really close to getting stolen on you. There's no one even close to Mitchell. How about you just take a couple dribbles towards the basket? Yeah, we've seen you handle the ball before. Hell, you can't be worse at handling the ball than Julius Randle. Let's see what happens. Don't you want to know, Barry, what might happen if Mitchell made a move towards the basket? Yeah. Unleash. Come on. What's the worst that happens? You look like Julius Randle for a moment? And you probably won't look that bad. You could take... Two or three slow dribbles right to the free throw line and get a shot off before your defender gets back to you. Come on. And Frank, our French prince. I mean, at least we can watch Frank play D. He's been really good out there. Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh. Who says awful things about the Knicks. All the time. <laughs> He's got nothing but horrible stuff to say. He's having fun. But did you hear his quote about Frank? No. This is via uh, one of the beat writers for the Knicks I hate the most, Stefan Bondi. Right. Dinwiddie said to him, Frank is a phenomenal defender. He makes it as tough as the elite guys in the league. He's in that class. I was able to shoot a lot of free throws, attack in transition. It's not like I had 30 just on Frank. Frank did a great job, made me work all night. It was tough. He is a great defender. He called him... An elite defender. He is. He is. And do you know how hard that is for fucking Spencer Dinwiddie to probably admit? Yeah. But but it, there's no question about it that he is. And and I hope he gets the recognition for it, you know, on a national scale because it's, it's he deserves it. And, and at least now he's getting the minutes where it's like, okay, you know, at least he's out there enough that we can quantify it a little bit. And we're seeing it against the top guys in the league. Let me ask you a question, Barry. Which Knicks strength, okay, is the most impressive on the team? That's a great like, question. You have so Frank. Like, you have Frank's D, right? Right. You got Mitchell Robinson's ability to block. Right. Maybe you got Marcus Morris's. This is weird to say, but his three-point shooting this season is oh, dude. It's like fifty-one percent, and he shoots insane. you know over five a game. Yeah, that's great. Right. These are some of the players with the. They they've got these real strengths. Right. 
And I don't know, for me, the best skill on this team, the best individual skill on this team is Frank's defense. I have to agree with you. It's the most impactful. It, 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 you know, it carries all over the, you know, all over, not all over the court, but half of the court, <laughs> you know, it carries through. Where Mitchell Robinson, you know, you talk about his blocks, as impressive as they are, it's really only inside the paint or the guy who he's defending or comes out to defend. But Frank, it's 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 all over. You know, he's getting into passing lanes. He's all over his defender. He's causing them to make mistakes. He's causing turnovers. And um, yeah, I mean, it turns into extra possessions for the Knicks. It turns into extra motivation for the Knicks because a lot of them are momentum changes because of his hustle and his intensity. So yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And isn't it shocking that Frank gets so much hate amongst a lot of Knicks fans who don't appreciate what he does? knowing that he's that good. Like, we have a player on our team who is, I think, people are saying, has an elite skill. Look, I think it's coming around. I mean, I've come around. I was never a huge Frank supporter. You know, even from his rookie year to last year, I was never huge. And then, I mean, you heard me just moments before the season started this year. I was saying, that's it. Enough. You got to show me something because I'm not going to... I. You know, you know, I'm not going to cheer for you anymore. And he has shown me. You know, I always respected his defense, but I needed more. All right, and and I think he's elevated his game big time. And whether that was the vote of confidence, whether that's the consistency, whether that's him working his ass off, whatever it is, whether it was the international confidence through FIBA, whatever it is, it's showing. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving me some Frank right now. You know, he's shown glimpses. I was actually looking back to his rookie year. And last year, he really seemed to get worse. I think it was a confidence thing. But his rookie year where Hornacek was the coach, I looked back and he had some really good games offensively. Not, not many of them, but he had games where he scored 16, 17 points. He had ga- multiple games with 9, 10, 11 assists. And then last season, he really did seem to drop off. This season, what we're seeing over, I think he's had like 12 straight starts. FIBA obviously may have played a hand in his increased confidence, especially to help with the decrease in confidence he probably suffered from last season. But this recent consistent playing time and knowing he's the starter, and there's no one even close to attempting to take that away from him. Right. Well, I mean, the biggest reason he's getting all these minutes, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. It's not his play in FIBA. It's not even his confidence. It's because of what happened with Alfred Payton, and it's because of what happened with Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, exactly. And that me. got him in the door, but that's the whole thing. Fisdale, you know, Fisdale would league, normally want nothing of right. this. But, you know, in life, and especially in sports, you have to seize those opportunities. And that's what he did. And he's seizing it not in a, you know, he's been scoring... 15 plus points a game, averaging eight assists. You know, not in this dominant offensive way. He is seizing it. It's not his game. In his way. Exactly. That's right. This is his game. He's not trying to do too much. And I think that's why he's succeeding. He's not trying to be someone he isn't. He's playing to his strengths. He's not being forced to to show his offensive skills night after night. He's not fearful that if he doesn't shoot well, Every night he's going to get benched. He's focusing on what 
he does best, and he's picking his moments where he drives a lane, where he goes end-to-end, where he shows his quickness. And he's shown, you know, some confidence in handling the ball and losing his defender when he needs to. He can get, he can create his own shot. And meanwhile, DSJ had that one glimmer of hope against Dallas. And since then, Barry, I, I, I notice a lot of hesitance. A little bit. I mean, I do acknowledge... Or hesitation. Did I say hesitance? It's okay. You could say hesitance. I don't mind. Um, I do acknowledge DSJ's... He, he's trying to look for others, I feel like, more than ever before. He's trying to make something happen. You know, when the offense gets stagnant, he's cutting into the lane, but not just looking for his own shot to feed the ball to others. So I'm liking that. I mean, unfortunately, it ha- we haven't seen large glimpses of this and consistency in this effect, but we've seen it. We've seen a few of them per game, so at least we know it's something he is cognizant of. You know, we just got to get the offense around him to look for that stuff and to kind of work together as a cohesive unit. He is not, is it just me? He is not attacking the rim. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Barry just pumped his fist in the air. So I've got a couple guesses as to what's going on. Go ahead. Either had a great night in fantasy because he's like 6-0 and in our league and is dominating. 6-0 and or 5-0? and 5-0. and You're 4-1 and and you shit on your team a little bit, like right after the draft. Yet, you've got Luka Doncic, who is, like, putting up crazy fucking numbers this year. He's the only reason I'm doing what I'm doing. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's a great reason. And I had, I think, the 13th pick or something in our draft, and I picked him with my first pick. Dude, that was a great pick. I I decided to just go for it. I knew it was a high-reward, high-risk pick. But, uh, no, I wasn't looking at fantasy basketball. All right, so what'd you do, win another bet? That's right. Well, what'd you bet on tonight? I took. Don't you usually bet on the Knicks? I usually bet on the Knicks. I bet twice this week. I bet because I told you I can only bet on the Knicks to win. And so far, I've been doing good. I'm 4 0 on when I was betting the Knicks. I'm sorry, it was 3 0 or whatever. But I realized look, I want to continue doing this. I think I'm doing pretty good at this. And there's not going to be that many Knicks wins, you know, or games I feel confident about. So I'm going to have to start looking to the NBA. So I decided, all right, every day I'm going to look at the schedule and I'm going to pick a game. So. Yesterday, I placed a bet on the Nets, and I won, which was very close because it came down to the wire. That was uh, it was a tie game with six seconds left, and Dinwiddie hit that shot, so I won that hundred bucks. And I just hold on. This was last night. You bet on the Nets. I picked the Nets to beat Cleveland. Barry, what the? F- I mean, that you should not be doing that. Excuse me. You cannot be betting on the Nets. Why not? That's essentially the same as betting against the Knicks. No, it is not. That's betting to put money in my pocket so you were rooting for the nets last night i was just rooting for the nets to um to not lose by more than one and a half (laughs) and they won by two so that worked out and then uh tonight i i put money on denver they had to beat the wizards by more than 10 points and i took denver to do that and they did so i came in in that so what are you what are you now i'm like uh, eight no and what's going on No. so right now i'm um I'm 5-0, and oh and I'm up $900. And you still refuse to start giving some of our listeners some good betting tips, Barry. Um, I, 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 I will. This is becoming very <laughs> selfish, all right? I will. You know, I wanted to have a pick to give to the listeners tonight. Um, I was looking at the Knicks schedule to see to do it then, but I don't see one until Wednesday, December 11th. We'll have to see what, what about the line tomorrow is. night. Look at the NBA schedule for tomorrow night. Most of the 
people listening to this show are listening all right. tomorrow morning, this morning, all right. Wednesday morning. Well, we're not we're not betting on the Knicks against Toronto, that's for sure. Doesn't matter how many points the Knicks are getting in that game. Okay, look down the schedule. I want you to place it. Whatever bet you say, I want you to place it, and I want you to give the Knicks fans a little tip here. All right, you got to give me a minute because there's a lot of games tomorrow to look through, Craig. This is not fair. You're putting me on the spot here. All right, while you think, we're going to close out the show. Oh, okay. Uh, why don't you, while I do this, why don't you read a, the ad, an ad from our sponsor? Oh, shit. Oh, it's a crummy Knicks life. <laughs> I'm sorry. Guys, it's a hard Knicks life, but for this ad, we like to say it's a crummy Knicks life. Using a family recipe and born in 1950s Brooklyn and perfected on the east end of Long Island, Clarkson Avenue Crumb Cake Company promises to deliver you the finest and most delicious crumb cakes on the market. Flavors like classic crumb, blackout, salted caramel, and Brooklyn Joe. Your taste buds will thank you. And the only place you can get them is online. They come in two sizes, the classic 8 by 8 inch or their world famous Crumpkins, which are crumb cakes in mini muffin form. So take a trip down Clarkson Avenue and crumb get some. Visit www.clarksonavcrumb.com. That's clarksonavecrumb.com. And use promo code HARDNICKSLIFE for 23% off your order. That's in honor of my favorite Nick, Mitchell Robinson. All right, Barry, the music is playing, closing out the show. Give everybody your tip for Wednesday night's NBA action. Barry has won $900 betting over the past few weeks. You cannot go wrong if you go with Barry. I just got I got to check the lines. I've got two teams in mind. I just got to check the line to see what it is. All right, guys, while Barry checks the line, remember, you can follow me on Twitter, at Hardnick's Life. Follow Barry, at Barry Dworkin. You can call us. At 516-33-MESH-1. Right, that's 516-336-3741. If you like our show, leave us a review, subscribe, tell your friends. All right, Barry, what are the lines here? Let's go. And by the way, my main goal in this, Barry, is just best case scenario, our fans win some money. Worst case scenario, a few fans who used to think that you were their favorite no longer do (laughs) because you've lost their rent money for the month. All right, so who are you going with Wednesday night? Who should everyone put their money on? So the Lakers are playing New Orleans tomorrow night. LeBron and AD are going to want to beat the Pelicans. I'm taking the Lakers to beat the Pelicans. Lakers are minus six and a half points. I think they're going to come to play. I think it's going to outperform the Pelicans as good as Brandon Ingram's been. I'm taking LA. All right, guys. There you have it. Oh, did I tell you what I'm doing with the money if I hit a certain number? What what are you going to do? You're giving it to charity. You're going to give it away to a fucking listener. You need more people in your fucking corner. What is it? Barry is I can't wait to how bad you're going to feel. I can't wait to how bad you're going to (laughs) feel. My goal is by the Super Bowl, I want to be up three grand, and I'm going to buy two floor seats to a Knicks game and take you with me. (laughs) I figure we could get in 1,500 bucks a ticket. You know, I don't have to see a great team play against the Knicks to sit on the floor. My dream is to sit on the floor at the Garden to see my team play. I have to be honest. You know, everyone says that you're their favorite. I like you more than I like myself. (laughs) You are way better. God damn it. It is a hard. Knicks.
life. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.